재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Saturdays around here are freshly served. We kick back, we talk about lifestyle and leisure, and more often than not, food and drink. This time, we're doing a little field expedition. I headed out with Chef Dustin Wessa to a local exhibit at the National Folk Museum of Korea, all about salt, salt and how it has affected history and cuisine and culture around the world. It is so important that there are whole expressions around salt, being worth your salt, salt of the earth, things like that. Chef Dustin and I had a lot to discover. Let's take a listen. All right, Chef Dustin, we're here at the National Folk Museum of Korea, and we're at this salt exhibit. It's bustling, so I guess people who are listening in, I have to give them a heads up that they're going to hear uh, kids running around and crowd noises. Apparently, there's a lot of interest in this topic. There's a lot of people sweating out a lot of salt right now. That's right. It is a blistering summer day. Maybe it's just the air conditioning that everybody is here for. (laughs) I knew a chef years back, and he said chefs should salt. Actually, he said season, but he meant salt. They should salt like they breathe. Do you you agree with that philosophy? Yeah, I use a lot of salt. I'm... I'm, um I'm of the theory that, that salt is good for you and, um, you know, all that, that buzz about in the 90s that you're going to have a heart attack and scientifically now it's, it's just a ratio, it's a balance, just drink more water, yeah. salt is as heavily as you'd like. Well, and what's interesting about this exhibit, which I believe the full title is Homo Salinus Sapiens, you know, the salt and its universal importance to all cultures and it's no coincidence that this is here in a folk museum because we are looking at these exhibits that illustrate centuries of traditional culture everywhere everywhere salt has been big since what the neolithic period sure i mean all human culinary practices and eating happened as a result you know branched from basically harvesting salt otherwise we would have all just frozen solid in the winter. Salt is of the earth. You know, you know the expression salt of the earth. Uh, it is one and the same with uh, sort of the surfaces and the mountains and the oceans that we have all around us. I mean, it's no evolutionary mistake that we crave salt, that we like the flavor of salt. Salt is, if you think about it, uh, I mean, we eat a lot of foods, obviously. We eat animals, we eat plants, we eat fungi, we eat bacteria, we eat things from the ocean and the air and the land. Salt is the only mineral that we consume intentionally. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, uh, salt is available in a lot of sort of hipster kind of formats, right? It's attractive when you can use those big kosher rock salt, sprinkle it on whatever it is, seasoned salts. You're heavily into those, right? Right, right. And grind up uh, the inside of a Himalayan cave and or cut out a slab and use yeah. it in an oven to bake some fish on. And all right, so what they've got all around in here are a bunch of visuals, and those provide nice talking points for sort of the history of salt. Let's walk through, and hopefully you can give us a little bit of a uh, chef's perspective on this stuff. Korean salt is, is actually considered one of the finer quality salts on the earth right now. Is that recognized in the chef marketplace? It's, it's being recognized very quickly. There are a couple chefs and a couple experts, and um, they, they adopted Korean salt uh, in place of sel de fleur, which is, which is the highest French salt, because it has this very light crunch and a very high mineral, mineral bite on the back end, so it's quite nice. When you uh, sort of produce salt, salt to me seems like a very simil, uh, simple thing to produce. Take a bucket of seawater, dry it out, and what's left 
can that just be put on your uh, your eggs Florentine, or do you have another step to do? No, well, I mean, it depends on how large you want the crystals. If you're just drying out things, you might end up, depending on the salinity of the water, you might end up with just a, a solid block of salt after a while. Mm. Um, a lot of times what I do when I do a salt infusion is I'll take um, something, an herb or, or whatnot. Um, I used horsetail this last, uh, this last spring. Actual literal horsetails or are you talking about an herb? This is, this is um, it's a, a type of marsh grass. Oh, wow. And um, this marsh grass, is, it's called horsetail. It's a kind of a marsh grass. Right. And, you did, and what did you do, brine it? Brined it and uh, and then did a real slow boil down, low and slow, for about a day and a half. And so it makes a very smooth salt. But a lot of times, yeah, brining is, is a good way to extract properties from, from different whatnots. And yeah. Some depictions here, Dustin, of the various sort of tribal people and native people, also Koreans, out in the sun every day raking and drying their salt it's got to be a tough life I mean you're out literally roasting in the sun every day like your salt crystals are you know some of the tools uh, obviously some of this is uh, museum uh, selections of what was used in the past but even as I look at the video images that are displayed of traditional salt making around the world they're just basically wood handles with very uh, rudimentary kind of uh, shovels and rake kind of heads and not much seems to have changed in salt making. It's just hard backbreaking work and a lot of waiting around until the crystals are ready. What kind of salts interest you? I mean, can you infuse salt with flavors? Could I make like a cayenne salt or something? You can do an ha- I did a habanero salt uh, last week, just yeah. blitzed it together. and uh, Do all flavors work uh, compatibly with salt? I mean, I, I suppose you could do some, uh, a lot of lime zest in with your salt. You'd get sort of a Mexican type of deal. Right. And I mean, even these days, it's, it's been trendy to, to do like salted caramel, salted chocolate. That's right. Right. And a lot of uh, working it in that way, the sweet and the salty. What's interesting, Dustin, is that uh, it looks like entire regional economies are built on salt. There are the salt-producing islands that uh, we we mentioned in Korea. There's places in Thailand. There's places in uh, the South Asian continent. Uh, China has entire salt-producing regions. You mentioned some of the, what do they call it, fleur de sel in uh, in France, France. considered some of the most uh, luxury or high-level salt. I bet you, uh, you you mentioned people already know that Korea makes good salt, but I think Korea could do a lot more salt PR, couldn't it? It it most certainly could. A lot of times what happens when uh, salt experts come in and uh, they they're impressed with the quality of Korean salt, what they'll do is they have their own lines and their own brands. They'll just rename it under their own umbrella as their Uh, company's premier, premium, Fleur de Sel. Wow. And uh, I've seen that uh, maybe four or five different times under different salt experts' brands where they're using Korean salt, but they just change the name and no credit to the peninsula itself. Korean salt, or salt in general, must ship very well. I can't help but think... You could do sort of a drop shipping business in the U.S. with uh, relabeled Korean salt and just call it Chef Dustin's seasoned salt, right? You know, and you, all of those flavors you want to experiment with, you could have them, uh, you know, going out in, in, in little packages to online consumers. Do you want to invest? I'm in. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Dustin, this is a method of salt production that I had not heard of before. It's labeled as Ashes Salt. 
and it says it's made by burning the wood or wood or plant stems that had been preserved in a salt pond. It's the only salt-producing method left in the New Guinea island, Papua New Guinea, in the South Pacific and Indonesia. So it's, it's packed with tree leaves and often put on top of uh, uh, ovens. And it's just sort of uh, burnt from ashes. Yeah, that's, I've never heard of that either. Ashes salt. So there's the salt lake version. There's the sort of island uh, by the shore salt. There are so many methods of making salt. This is just yet another traditional one. And they must have come across this uh, centuries upon centuries ago. I mean, it shows all of these different cultures have discovered their own means of producing salt. So now we gotta we got to start importing ashes salt and exporting it to San Francisco. It sounds awfully Austin, chic, doesn't Texas. it? Yeah. We only cook with ashes we salt only, right. here at Chef Dustin's Bistro. We, we rub our smoked meats in ashes salt. Yeah. <laughs> It's a very fascinating video to watch. He's got uh, a little bonfire going, and it's almost like he's... You, you could almost call it smoked salt, right? Because right, right. you've got all of these um, salt-containing plants that have been soaking up salt like sponges in lakes, and then they burn it on a fire, presumably to get out the water, but also to um, sort of convey that, that kind of smoky feeling. There's, there's a plant in Korea, actually, that um, they say can be used in place of salt. And it's uh, punnamu goat. Mm. It's it's the flower of the punnamu. Okay. And uh, it's it's actually in full bloom right now. It might be just finishing up. Mm. But they used to take that, dry it out, and and grind it down and use it in place of salt. Oh. It's very high in natural MSG, not chemical MSG. Yeah, yeah. So the the plant matter, just the way sort of you know uh, mineral matter in a cave or whatnot or water in an ocean, the plant matter contains the salt that, right, that right. you're looking for. Interesting. Dustin, you've heard the uh, expression, someone is worth their salt, right? And you've heard the word salary, right? Those are all derived from salt. Uh, because salary. they used to pay Roman soldiers in salt. And I mention this because we are over at the section called Valuable at the Salt Exhibition, which says prior to the 18th century in Western culture, salt was just as valuable as gold due to salt production being difficult and because you usually had to transport it from a dangerous area. So we're looking at all these little sort of silver and gold doohickeys that uh, the fancy people in Western Europe prior to the 18th century would use for salt. They're like little salt spoons. Salt spoons and, and small, small uh, salt vessels. Mm. This is fascinating too. Uh, generally speaking, salt, by the time you distill it down and have the finished product, has a tendency to be white. And so therefore, uh, you know, pure salt, white, came to be uh, sort of a symbol for innocence and purity. So people kind of thought of them in the same sort of category, white, pure salt, and the, the characteristics of innocence and purity. And doves. And doves and cured in pure white salt. And <laughs> You're back in the kitchen again, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I think this is probably the most important aspect of uh, salt. Uh, I, I alluded it to it a, a moment ago with the Roman soldiers, but one of the key features of salt is that you can pack perishable things like fish or like uh, legs of pig or whatnot in it. And, um, you know, it's, it's the thing that got uh, the Portuguese explorers all the way across the ocean to Brazil. And uh, they could pack their cod, their bacalhau, 
in it. It sort of draws out water, that's one property, and it kills the bacteria that would uh, start the rotting process. Right. So that's another way in which salt has been incredibly valuable prior to the era of refrigeration to all of these peoples. I mean, we're talking about food, but even you look at ancient culture, cultures, what's in front of us is Egyptians were curing people yeah. to make sure that you know, they could keep them around. That's and, right. Uh, well, the, yeah, the, we've got an image here of the sort of traditional ancient Egyptian burial method. They would pack their nobles, and especially their pharaoh, uh, full body in a, as a mummy, completely cured, as it were, with salt, and uh, put them to rest that way. I guess they figured they needed their preserved body in whatever kind of afterlife they were preparing them for. Uh, they're up there just going, water, water. <laughs> <laughs> we're looking, Chef, at a uh, video about uh, chefs talking about what they do with salt. Uh, this Korean chef is talking about roasting her salt before she grinds it. She puts it, she says, in a pan and sort of dries it out and roast it. Do you... <laughs> Roast salt? I've, I've roasted a few, uh, obviously not with habaneros in it. You ever mm. want to clear a kitchen or a, a hall? <laughs> Throw some habaneros and salt in a it's pan. It's like tear gas, like, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've, I've done it. Normally I would do more of a brine. I would, I would boil it down and do an infusion and until the, the liquid brine becomes salt again. And it's a very fine powder. Mm. They have little plates of salt from uh, various areas here. Korea the Andes, the Himalayas, Gironde, presumably in France. So uh, there are little teeny tiny spoons. You can get a little taste. Okay. Try the Malden Flake. The Malden, salt flakes is, uh, is fascinating to me. I'm going to try that too. Yeah. It doesn't pack quite the punch. It doesn't have that kind of like sharp minerality that uh, the, the Korean salt has. Soft on the front, a little bit bitter on the back. Do you consider, no, no cheek here uh, intended, but do you consider yourself a bit of a salt sommelier kind of guy? If you want to say snob, you can. I mean, if, if I wanted to be uh, impressive in the way I talk about salt, how would I talk about it? Is it like wine where it hits you one way and then it fades out another way? or? For me, it is. Um, you know, as a, as a chef, I have people ask me all the time when they travel, what would you like me to bring you back? And my answer is always salt is it really every single time okay just bring me salt from wherever you're going fascinating there you know at, at first it's just kind of like you build up a little bit of a collection and you're getting the basil salts and herb salts and whatnot but then when you get down to just the pure the process and everything it's so different huh the the way it hits you the way it kind of spreads across the palate i sound like a snob but i am so no no i mean you have the right to be you spend all day working on this stuff and reflecting on it it's kind of like salt makes something more of itself in a way but it also has its own sort of um, personality on its own doesn't it right I can't i don't want to overgeneralize here but mm. korean salt the way that it, it hits you on the palate it, it's uh it's strong in character it's like everything korean right, right it's right. just you know in your face here I am. Strong presence, uh, kind of brass, crash, mm -hmm. uh, confident. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. All right. Thanks again to Chef Dustin. If you want to catch the exhibit, it is called Homo Salinus Sapiens. Salt, the source of human wisdom. It's at the National Folk Museum of Korea until October 31st.